The download is complete. Welcome to the AV Podcast, presented by Jason Bradbury and Phil Hinton. Welcome to the AV Podcast, Hardware Edition. In this edition, Jason gives us all the information we need on the Gadget Show campaign for free Wi-Fi. Seth Gecko and myself review a nifty gadget from Sony Ericsson and a 2.1 home theatre system from Samsung. But first, it's time for the news. This week's, this week's Audio-Visual News. In the news this week, we focus on highs and lows. High-definition Freeview TV trials go down well, and Subwoofer Guru's RHEL and SVS announce new budget models. We delve into the world of Freeview HD broadcasting for our first news story this week. In a joint announcement from the BBC, ITV, Channel 4 and Channel 5, the broadcasters have released their findings from a small Freeview high-def trial involving 450 households in the Greater London area. God knows, I tried to get on it, but failed. It happened over the summer of 2006. Each household was equipped with an HD-ready display and a Freeview HD box and were asked to sample their normal programmes in free-to-air high-def from the four broadcasters. The main programmes of choice were the 2006 World Cup, Planet Earth, Bleak House and later with Jules Holland. The results of the trial have now been published and made for very interesting reading. 98% of trialists stated that it was important to have HD services on Freeview, the UK DTT platform, in future with 86% expecting to see these services within three years. And 9 out of 10 believe the BBC, ITV, Channel 4 and 5, together the public service broadcasters, should be at the forefront of HD developments. When asked about which programme genre would benefit most from being broadcast in HD, wildlife and sport led the way. Trialists also felt that there should be at least six or seven channels of HD content available on Freeview, with an ideal of 10. Overall, the experience of DTTHD exceeded most trialists' expectations, with 95% reporting that it looked as good or better than they'd hoped. So it would appear that Freeview HDTV has been a resounding success during the trial. But now for the bad news. Reading between the lines of the BBC's press release, it would appear that the earliest point in time for free-to-air HDTV via Freeview to actually hit the airwaves would be 2008, when the transmitters of the Scottish Borders and Cumbria are switched off in the government's planned digital switchover. The rest of the country follows suit in the preceding years, with the final switch-off planned in 2012. This would mean that HD Freeview will not be available until there's enough bandwidth released during these switch-off periods to allow the high bitrate free-to-air channels. So while it's encouraging that the main terrestrial broadcasters have trialled their HD services via Freeview, it would look like 2012 is the most realistic year for the free-to-air launch that covers most of the country, just in time for the Olympics. Sadly, it looks like Sky and Telewest HD platforms are going to have it all their way for at least the next five years, while Freeview HD catches up. 
Well, true HD TV, free to air, may be a few years away, but AV Podcast thinks it might have found the next best thing for scaling that freeview picture to HD resolution and at the same time benefit from an 80 gig hard drive to record your favourite programmes. UK-based computer manufacturer Evesham has announced the release of its iPlayer PVR unit, which is hitting stores right now. This set-top box is touted as the last box you'll ever need, and with some compelling reasons why. First, the unit acts like a normal Freeview receiver, which also boasts an upscaler which is capable of 1080p scaling via HDMI. Next is an 80GB hard drive, with 7-day EPG for pausing and recording your favourite programmes. However, this does appear rather small compared to Sky's 160GB offerings. Another neat feature of the iPlayer is its ability to access digital TV via the internet using IPTV technology. BT, Apple, Sky and Microsoft have all announced their own platforms for IPTV and the iPlayer will, according to Evesham, be able to access all these services when available. Finally, add in a network connection to your Media Centre PC, top-up TV compatibility and catch-up TV readiness and you do indeed have the most feature-packed TV box on the market so far. We hope to be able to sample the delights of this box very soon, but in the meantime, you can check it out for yourself at a not unreasonable £300. Now, the UK's biggest name in subwoofers, Rel Acoustics, has announced three new subwoofers in an all-new budget price range entitled the T-Series. Prices start at £395 for the T3, which boasts a 150-watt amp. 495 will get you the 200 watt T2 and 595 for the 300 watt T1. Rel has taken a big step in reducing the price points for these subwoofers in an attempt to entice a larger audience for its products in the budget arena and to try and fight off the big strides made by some of its competitors in the direct marketing market. The subs which have taken four years to develop utilize a sealed cabinet with active and passive driver arrays. The forward-facing active driver provides an attacking slam to the sound, with the downward-firing passive radiator adding extended output. Each sub features both high- and low-level connections, along with a phono input. This means you can use both inputs simultaneously in a multi-channel system, handy for those who enjoy both high-fidelity music and surround sound movies. All three T-Series speakers are now available in Black Ash, or Cherry, composite laminate, with the lacquered rails coming in high-gloss black. And staying with budget subwoofers, which punch above their weight, is a name many forum members will be aware of in the shape of SVS, a new compact sub that's so small it almost crept in under our news radar. The all-new SB12 Plus is a compact sealed unit which boasts a 450-watt bash amplifier with parametric EQ, room compensation control, defeatable crossover, variable phase and balanced inputs. The speaker cone is a custom-designed front-firing 12.3-inch woofer. The SVS SB12 Plus has been creating quite a storm of interest amongst those who want deep bass with low levels of distortion with a small footprint. The unit boasts a frequency response of 22 to 150 Hz at 3 dB range of correction. You can buy the SVS SB12 Plus now through UK distributor AV Sales via our AV Forum's Power Buy section with a price of £499 for the textured black finish and £599 for other finishes such as rose nut or oak.
And finally for this week is a campaign close to our hearts here at the AV Forums. The Gadget Show are campaigning to the government to get free Wi-Fi broadband internet in every major town and city in the UK. I'll discuss the ethos behind this campaign later in the podcast. But if you want to sign up now to do your bit for our campaign, head over to www.5.tv forward slash gadget show and sign up. Join the discussion at Europe's largest home cinema website. Log in to avforums.com. The world's longest lasting batteries from Energizer. Energizer Ultimate Lithium take up to 630 photos in digital cameras compared to just 90 with ordinary alkaline batteries. Perfect for MP3 players. Ultimate Lithium lasts up to five and a half hours longer and are ideal for when you're on the move. Chances are you're going to need batteries again this Christmas. Choose Energizer Ultimate Lithium. Energizer. It's what's inside that counts. For up-to-the-minute AV discussion and hardware reviews, visit avforums.com. This week's Gadget Review. Welcome to this week's Gadget Reviews. This week we'll be taking a look at the Samsung HTQ100 home theatre system. But first of all, here's Seth Gecko with a nice little gadget from Sony Ericsson. If you remember a few weeks ago, I was extolling the virtues of the Sony Ericsson uh, W850i phone, but I did mention that I hated the hands-free kit that came with it. Well, I've discovered a little gadget that's absolutely brilliant. It's the Sony Ericsson HBH DS970. It's actually a Bluetooth stereo headset that will link to the phone and allow you to stream your music via Bluetooth to your head without the use of wires. In this regard, it's absolutely brilliant. So Seth, just explain a little how that works then. Well, it's actually a very interesting gadget. What you have is you have the the, the main body of the um, unit, which is about sort of two inches long, um, and like a, about as big as a pen type thing. Um, and you have a pair of corded headphones, which plug into your ears. Now, if you're used to Sony headphones, then you'll find these very familiar. They're the little earbuds that plug into your ear and use rubber seals so that it keeps the music in without uh, annoying people on the outside and also reducing the noise. But, because it's Bluetooth, it does mean that you can put the uh, phone or whatever you're going to link to in your bag, pocket, etc. And you can actually use the unit to advance the tracks, pause it, uh, increase the volume, uh, so it's all controlled from the Bluetooth unit itself. Now, battery life on the Bluetooth is, used to be really, really crap, to be absolutely blunt. Um, on here, they're, they're estimating around six hours usage. I'm getting about four, four and a half hours on, on, on a full charge with this. Now, the other thing that's really good with this is it has what's called multi-point technology. Normally with a Bluetooth headset, which you're probably familiar with, you connect it to the phone, and if you want to connect it to a different handset, you have to do it all again. And if you want to go back to the original phone, you have to reconnect it and so uh, and basically keep switching between them. You can only pair to one device at any one time. With this actual gizmo, you can actually pair to two different devices. It has a little switch which enables you to select which one you want to pair it to. So if you've got a, um, a WA50i, for example, that you want to stream the music to, you can set that as your first point of presence. And if you want to actually have it going to a PC to stream the music from a Bluetooth dongle in your PC, you can hook that up as your second point and just flip between the two when you need to. Um, so it's actually quite innovative. 
Now, like I said, it's a, it's a very small compact unit, and I've been using it on my daily commute, um, and it's very good. It's very responsive. It has got one little niggling feature, which is when a song changes, you hear a little click, um, where it, for whatever reason, it's probably where it handshakes between the Bluetooth headset and the actual hand unit. But uh, it's quite an innovative idea, and the fact that it's Bluetooth doesn't mean that you're limited to the actual handset that you wanted to stream your music from. Like I say, I've been using it with the W850i, but if you've got one of the other Walkman phones, or if you've got, uh, say, the K800 by Sony Ericsson, you can actually use it for that as well. So this little um, two-inch unit which controls the headphones, where are you actually putting that? Is that hanging free, or, or what? It basically hangs free from your neck. Like I say, the, the actual unit is on a cord, and the cord actually incorporates the, the, the cable for the uh, headphones themselves. So you basically put it over your neck, um, a bit like an ID badge, uh, and then plug your headphones in to your interiors, and it just hangs down in front of you. It, it, the weight of it is only about a gram. It is really light and compact, so you don't even notice it's there. And what about sound quality from the, the headphones that are supplied then? Well, like I said, if you're if you've a set of Sony headphones, you'll be very familiar with them. The, the actual sound is very good. If you don't get the the seals right, you tend to find that they don't they sound a little bit tinny. Um, you don't get such a, a good bass reproduction if you pick the wrong rubber seal. Once you pick the right rubber seal for your ear and you push them in, and you do have to push them in and make the seal complete, then they are very punchy uh, on the bass front. Now, I don't listen to a lot of uh, dance music, so I can't really comment from that point of view. I, I tend to like my uh, music a bit harder and rockier, um, and listening to all sorts of uh, tunes from Me First and the Gimme Gimmies and No Effects to Slipknot, um, and the drum beats are very good. It sounds very, very natural in terms of compared to other Sony Ericsson um, headphones. The only exception I've got is I actually have a pair of Skull Crushers, which are very large, um, sort of studio-looking headphones, um, and they are very bass-heavy uh, in comparison. But then on the other side of the coin, they're, they're corded, they won't connect to the Sony Ericsson um, phone, and like I say, they're not Bluetooth. So they have got... Uh, uh, they're, they're, they're the more traditional style headphones, but for the actual Bluetooth headset, you know, this is absolutely cracking. So what about the uh, the battery life on the phone then, if you're using that as a, uh, an MP3 Walkman mode? Well, I can't complain. Um, I, charged it, I charge it up every day and it, I plug it in every night um, to charge up anyway. Um, one of the things that is very useful with that particular, well, with the, the uh, Sony Ericsson phones and that one um, certainly, is I can actually connect it to my PC and charge up from my PC anyway. So even if I was doing a, a two-hour commute on the train, I get to my desk, I can just literally plug it into my PC and I can recharge while I'm at work. I don't have to carry a charger around from the phone. Um, but it doesn't seem to have any form of impact uh, on the battery life to any real degree on that on the actual phone. And again, the other thing that's really good with the, the, the Bluetooth um, stereo headset is it has a mic in there as well. So when you've got a call coming in, it will fade the music out and let you know that there's a call. Um, and on the left-hand side, there's a little button. You basically press that, it will pick up the phone. You press it again to, to cut the call off, and then the music will fade back in, so you can carry on where you were. So it sounds like a, a nifty gadget. Um, how are you going to score this, then? Well, like I say, it's absolutely wonderful for the commute. You, you, there's no cables except for the, you know, hanging it around your neck. Um, it's got a very good battery life um, and even with a price tag of around 70 pounds I'm still gonna score it 9 out of 10 because it is a godsend for me very high praise so we're moving on to our next uh, gadget this week 
and Samsung have kindly sent us along the HTQ100 home theatre system, which is a 2.1 channel home cinema system with a DVD built in. So I've had this hooked up to my Toshiba 32-inch TV in the living room, and I've been using it for the last four or five weeks now. Now, the unit comes with a built-in DVD player, which is Region 2 coded, and unfortunately, as hard as I tried, I couldn't make it multi-region. The DVD player will accept CDs, CDRs, CD rewritables, DVDs, DVDRs, and DVD rewritables. There's also five connections on the back of the unit. You have one component, one composite, an auxiliary audio in, an optical digital in, and a headphone jack. The unit itself, on first appearance, looks like it has a centre speaker with a left and right speaker. However, what you think is the centre speaker is in fact the DVD player and amplifier unit, which you can set either on top of your TV or underneath in the cabinet. The DVD player, the discs slide in from the top end of the unit, which is quite a nifty way of playing your discs for the first four or five times, but becomes annoying after a while. The unit is actually a 2.1 channel unit, and it has a left and right speaker and a subwoofer. Unfortunately, there's no options uh, available on the unit to select your crossover frequencies or your subwoofer sound levels. This means that placing this sub is going to be very important and keep it out of the corners, otherwise you're going to get an overly booming sound. Sound quality is certainly quite pleasing, but it's certainly not going to compete with a separate system. The unit also has a built-in FM-AM tuner, and there's an auxiliary input to add the audio channel from your TV set or your Sky tuner box. In day-to-day use, this unit is perfectly reasonable. However, the crossover between the subwoofer and the two satellite speakers don't seem to work in a consistent manner. There appears to be frequencies missing, and even though I moved the unit around in several locations within the room, and using graph points and so on with a, a test CD, I was unable to get it to sound any better than in the optimal position where I finally set the unit up. Watching normal TV is pleasing enough, although if you misplace the subwoofer, you will get a boomy bass sound, which becomes very tiring after a while. Set the subwoofer up properly, and overall you get a nice, full, dynamic sound, although it's in no way going to compete with a proper separate system or a proper five-speaker home cinema system. So are there any unique features with this uh, setup, Phil, or is it just sort of typically par for the course? Well, funny you should mention that, Seth. There's actually um, two neat little features with this unit. The first one is HDMI. However, apart from taking audio and uh, video information over the HDMI connection, it doesn't have an upscaler. So the whole point of that is uh, somewhat muted a little bit. It also has a USB host, which allows you to plug and play your mobile digital devices, such as an MP3 player or your laptop or even a a digital camera. So you can sit and watch your photographs on on your normal monitor, or you can uh, use it as an MP3 jukebox, which is uh, quite a nifty little feature. So what's the build quality like? Is it it a solid unit like the uh, Denon that we've uh, spoken about in recent podcasts, or is it uh, quite a, a flimsy affair? Build quality is actually quite alright. The uh, the unit comes with a removable back. You take the back off the uh, the main unit which houses the DVD player and your uh, AM FM tuner and uh, this allows you to connect the cables up at the back, tie them up in a certain manner and then put the back uh, onto the unit again so it hides all the cable connections which is quite a nice feature uh, for using in the living room if you don't want cables everywhere. You can actually tie the cables up uh, connect them to the unit and the, and the unit helps you hide the cables which is quite a nice little feature 
Unfortunately, with all Samsung products at the moment, it comes in that high piano gloss black finish, which it looks okay for the plasma screens. It looks all right on the Blu-ray player. However, on this unit, um, it is a bit too shiny for me. Um, it seems to reflect light left, right and centre. Um, I use halogen lights in my living room, uh, halogen down lighters. And um, so the unit tends to pick up the light and throw the light back into the room which can be quite distracting when you're trying to watch TV. The left and right speakers are, are quite well designed. They're nice, sleek, long-looking things. They're about eight, nine inches tall, and they come with their own um, lead-weighted stands, which the speakers just slide into the stands, and they look quite nice if you've got a nice TV unit. Set them either side of your plasma screen or your flat panel TV, and it, it's going to look the business. However, it didn't look like these could be easily stand-mounted, which is a shame if, if that's all, the only option you have in your living room. I suppose the big bugbear with this system is the fact that um, user control isn't great. Um, going into the menu system, you can select different settings such as the auxiliary input and so on. What you can't do, though, is adjust the sound. And that was a big bugbear for me um, because the out-of-the-box settings, um, the subwoofer is certainly far too loud, in my opinion. I would certainly like to back the subwoofer off a couple of decibels or so, and I'm not able to do that on the system, which means you really have to keep that sub away from walls and away from corners. Otherwise, um, it's going to get too much. and It's going to be too far too bass-heavy for you. It sounds like it's a reasonable piece of kit, but what's the actual uh, cost of it? Well, this actual unit, the HDQ100, comes in at around about £249, which, when you add it up with the competition, it doesn't seem to be a great value for money. Design-wise, yep, um, it will look good in a modern setting with a modern flat-screen TV, etc. Um, if, like me, you like your separate systems or you like your separate um, units, um, I don't think he's really going to be taken. It's got that sort of bang and Olsen feel to the DVD player and, and, and the way that things laid out. It's very much um, designed to complement sophisticated uh, looking plasma screens and so on. Um, it's not really designed for every living room. So I think in the wrong setting, it's going to stick out like a sore thumb. So overall, sound quality is certainly passable. It's pleasing enough to watch normal TV. Um, I think you'd be struggling with movies, to be honest. I would probably like to see a feature in later uh, editions of this type of all-in-one home theatre system where you can have some control over the subwoofer system because, like I say, I wanted to take that down a few decibels. It was just far too loud and overpowering for the main satellites. So all in all, it's a nice-looking system. Um, it'll only play Region 2 DVDs. It doesn't look like there's a multi-region uh, hack out there for it at the moment. And... To use it in the bedroom or in a second second TV room or whatever, yeah, it'll do the business, but there are better units out there on the market, which um, I'd be more inclined to recommend. So the Samsung HDQ100, it will score 5 out of 10. Many of our listeners will be aware of the HD format war about to hit UK shores in the next few weeks. Well, to combat some of the misinformation that surrounds the upcoming formats, Guildford-based PJ Hi-Fi will be hosting two special HD DVD insider chats for AV Forums members on Wednesday the 20th of December. The AV podcast will be on hand during both sessions and will be reporting on the outcome for all those who can't attend on the day, including interviews with the organisers and attendees. 
with special guests from Microsoft and a chance to see the format in one of the UK's best demo rooms. Tickets for these sessions are likely to go fast, so keep an eye on our HD DVD forums for more details as they're posted. You're listening to the AV Podcast. Oh, worth it. Totally worth it. Jason's Gadget of the Week. So what's the Gadget Show's free Wi-Fi campaign all about? And why, more importantly, are the AV forums getting behind it? Well, to get to the point, I guess, really, I kind of bored the producer with my angst over never never being able to get a... Uh, a reliable and free Wi-Fi connection when I was out working. There's enough out there that you pay through the nose for, and boy, do you pay for them, but there aren't enough that are free. In fact, there are less free connections in my experience now than there were when I first got into Wi-Fi a couple of years ago. And to be fair to Ewan, he's the boss, uh, this this idea was kind of brushed, brushed under the carpet or put to one side, and then he came powering out of the corner at the turn of the new series and was uh, blazing all guns to get this thing out and make it an agenda that government would listen to. And so um, it's kind of been a joint effort, really, between the two of us, although I can't take too much credit because he writes the scripts on The Gadget Show. And uh, I have to say that I think the Wi-Fi campaign is one of the best written things we've done. It had real gusto to it. It was funny, like a lot of stuff we do on The Gadget Show, hopefully is. Uh, But more to the point, it was actually quite rousing because um, there I was, having um, watched it go out on on the airwaves, and Stuart, who runs the AV forums, got on the phone immediately and said, look, we want to get behind this. And so um, if you're listening to this right now, and perhaps this is the first you've heard of it, do get behind it. It's really important. The idea is that we're going to get as many names of Wi-Fi users in the UK as possible, put them on our little server at 5.tv forward slash gadget show, and then present them to government. What's helpful about AV forums being involved, of course, is that you've got, you know, 100,000 plus people who could potentially get their weight behind this before you even start. One thing I will say that Stuart did mention to me, um, if you put your, your email and your name into, into our little database, we're not going to use it for anything. I absolutely promise you. I have actually been on to the producer um, on Stuart's advice to put a little disclaimer there because I heard that some of you are being discouraged because you think we're going to send you, I don't know, adverts for new gadgets or something. We're not. We're not going to use it for anything but this campaign. Um, but obviously things move slow in the world of TV and getting someone to do something um, once they've actually got it on the web, which in itself is a is an amazing feat, so can sometimes take quite a lot of energy. But nevertheless, you're safe if you sign up. A few developments. Uh, there is a, a sort of think tank who are putting together a government white paper about broadband use in the UK and they contacted us and we're actually going to be in the white paper. So um, so it's been worth it just for that so far. Also, a leading chain of estate agents are looking to sign up. They haven't signed up yet, but they've put some links on their websites. Uh, and it could be that um, one of the, the big sort of meta groups to which all estate agents belong in the UK, well, not all of them, but a, a large proportion of them, they may well be getting behind this and putting a link on all of their websites, which would mean about sort of upwards of 250 independent estate agents around the UK. Now, the reason that's important is, if I put it this way, what does every high street have if if you discount coffee shops? The answer is, of course, multiple estate agents. So if they were to get behind it, and if they were to go the stage further, let's say, and start opening up their connections and, and ignoring this bumpkum about security issues, which is a load of rubbish, then can you imagine the impact that would have if estate agents, even if just... 1% of estate agents around the country started opening up their broadband connections to the likes of your eye to be able to use them when we're sitting having a cappuccino a couple of doors down. 
wouldn't that make a, a huge change in our lives? And wouldn't it just lift UK up by the bootstraps and put us in the league with places like South Korea, which I can tell you from personal experience, are a haven for free, uh, effective, open and quick broadband connectivity. So that's the free Wi-Fi campaign. I hope I've sold it to you. All we need is your name and email. And of course, it would also help if you told people about it. Maybe have a coffee at work, whatever you do, college, uni, whatever it is that um, floats your, your boat. Get on to friends, colleagues around you and get them all to join up. You can do so uh, through the AV Forum's main homepage. Thanks. With more gadgets than Branch. The name is Bob. James Bob. This is the AV Podcast. And that rounds up the hardware edition of this week's podcast. Don't forget to download the Movies and Games edition for the biggest blockbuster DVD, HD DVD, Blu-ray and gaming news, reviews and features. This is Jason Bradby saying thanks for listening, stay subscribed and tell your friends. The AV Podcast was presented by Jason Bradbury and Phil Hinton. Original music by Andrew Bassett and Richard Cosgrove. The AV Podcast was mixed and produced by Phil Hinton, and the senior producer was Stuart Wright. All content, including sound clips and music, is copyright material and featured for promotional use only. The AV Podcast is copyright M2M Limited.